Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Sarush here, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Slava. Hey, everyone. So today we're very excited to welcome Aaron Labauer, who has a very, very interesting story behind his practice. Aaron is a massage and bodywork therapist, but most importantly, he's a doctor of physical therapy and an owner of his own cash-based clinic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Aaron is a fellow podcaster as he runs his own The Cash PT Hour, Lunch Hour podcast. He also has a consulting firm, Labauer Consulting, where he's on a mission to help other physiotherapists make a difference in their patients' lives. So that's quite the list that we have to cover. But without further ado, let's get down to business. Aaron, thanks for joining us. I know you're a fellow podcaster, but we'll let you uh, kick things off by giving us an intro to uh, your journey of how you got here today and how you started this whole adventure. Oh, hey, Sarush, uh, Slava, thank you guys for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate it. Um, so you want me to give you the, the three-minute version or the three-hour version of how I got <laughs> uh, The elevator pitch. <laughs> All right. The, um, you know, I've been around the block um, and uh, let's see, I started my career, my real career as a massage therapist. And even at that time, I didn't think it was a real career, but I tried to get a real job and um, no one wanted to hire me to do like answer the phones at Sierra Designs or North Face or Power Bar. Like I couldn't even get an interview there. So I ended up, uh, I was working as a bike messenger and because I love riding bikes and racing bikes and I was like, you know, I need to do something where I can, you know, actually like it's going to sustain me for life. And I also want to race bikes. And so uh, I'd went to massage therapy and I had been introduced to it um, from racing bikes and um, even from my mom. Um, but after about six years of doing massage therapy and specializing in some different forms of body work, like myofascial release, I ended up seeing a lot of people in chronic pain. And I still, I didn't know, not that I didn't know what to do with them, I was the only one that was able to help them at that point in their journey, but I knew there was a lot more to it. And my wife actually pushed me to go to PT school because we were living in California and we had the best massage jobs and I had a good private practice, but we weren't going to be able to afford a home. And she's like, well, go get a job as a PT. Well, we all know jobs as a PT aren't going to allow you to afford a home in the Bay Area in California either. So, um, but I ended up not going to school out there. We moved back to North Carolina for a couple different reasons. Um, and I went to Elon University, got my DPT um, degree there. But on the way, my first clinical rotation, I saw 43 patients one day. And remember, up to that point, I had been seeing people for 45 minutes to an hour, really like an hour, hour and a half as a massage therapist. And people were telling me, Aaron, you're the first person who's ever been able to help me do X. You're the first person who's ever touched me where I hurt. I've been to see chiropractors, massage therapists, physiotherapists, Fed injections, medications, surgery, other massage, acupuncture, everything. And you're the first person to be able to help me do X, Y, and Z. Okay, great. So now I'm a PT and I've been, I've been effective treating people and I'm here as PT to number one, buy a degree. Number two, learn how to talk to patients about their prognosis and their diagnosis and know myself when they'll be better. Um, and I'm 
looking at this going 43 patients in one day in a nine hour day, that's three to four people an hour. Um, I can't do this forever just to, you know, make money. Like this isn't like, no one's going to hire me to treat patients the way I want, which is one person an hour or one person at a time for 45 minutes um, and pay me what I can, uh, what I can earn to live because I'm not generating revenue for the clinic because the clinic gets revenue based off of our insurance reimbursement. You have to have more people per hour. And that was the day I was like, I can't do this. I got to do it a different way. Um, and then from that, I started a cash-based physical therapy practice right after graduating PT school. Everyone looked at me like I was crazy. Like you can't do that. That's unethical. How could you actually charge people money for physical therapy? And it's not going to work. And people will not pay more than their copay, which was, at the time was twenty to fifty dollars. They will not pay more than twenty to fifty dollars for physical therapy. Um, but I did it anyways. <laughs> so that was that part of that journey. And now, after a few years of doing that, um, I started answering people's questions, and I started a coaching and consulting business where I teach courses. I do a podcast. I have a mastermind. I, I do coaching. I've got books. I got free resources. All that stuff because my mission is to keep people from unnecessary surgery. And we could talk more about those things. But that's my three minute, three minute uh, elevator pitch. And you guys want to dig into any part of that? I'd be happy to. It's uh, definitely an awesome pitch, and you've uh, made quite the ways from uh, racing bikes all the way to being. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to doing all that you're doing right now, which is awesome. And definitely uh, our profession needs people like you leaders who are going to make a difference instead of following along with where the industry is leading them. Thank you. But um, Aaron, um, as a lot of our listeners, uh, a lot of our listeners are from U.S., a lot of our listeners are also from Canada. Could you briefly explain the different U.S. funding models for physio and why did you go the cash-based uh, mm -hmm. uh, way specifically? Yeah. And so I'm trying to make this as easy as possible because it's not easy. First, let me, let me start with this one. Okay. I'm buying health insurance for my own employees. I'm a physical therapist and I have physical therapist employees. I have non-physical therapist employees and I would try and trying to understand the benefits that myself and my employees are going to get. I had to get on the phone with the representative from blue cross. who's the um, customer service rep for my region for employers. I'm talking to her on the phone and I'm like, okay, so I'm just clarifying. You understand that I'm a physical therapist and I'm in the healthcare business and I'm still having a hard time understanding the benefits and rules. She's like, yeah, I know. So if mm -hmm. I, if I do this and teach this every day and I have a hard time understanding what the benefits are, the not, not what the, what the written, but the stated actual benefits are to myself, my family and my employees. Like, can you imagine how difficult that is for Joe average American to understand, right? They think they're getting one thing. They go and they go to the doctor, whether it's a physical therapist or a surgeon or a primary care specialist. And they go, what the hell is this bill? I thought I was covered. You said I was covered. So what are the different um, funding models? Well, the, the primary one in the United States is private insurance. And what that means is you pay a monthly premium um, so that you have health insurance and it and when you go there's a copay and a deductible the copay is what you pay when you go in to see your provider and the deductible is the amount you have to spend before insurance starts kicking in above anything that's covered mm -hmm. 
so when you go in, like for me right now, to go see a specialist, to go see if you guys were in new in in the United States, in order to come get physiotherapy from you, it would cost me one hundred and fifty dollars a visit. Makes sense, okay? But I have okay. to spend like my my in network deductible is like five thousand dollars. So anything that's not covered, like of the charges, is not covered goes towards my five. I owe the first five thousand dollars of that deductible, right? Mm-hmm. And my out of network is going to be a high, higher limit. So your deductible is what you have to spend before insurance kicks in, and a lot of times then the insurance only kicks in sixty percent above that. Um, and then there's so there's in network and then out of network. Sometimes in network is only going to cost me the copay. Like I I owe nothing more than just a copay to go. Out of network um, can be different. It's out of network limits are higher. Sometimes out of network as the patient consumer it's more expensive. Sometimes it's less. Um, but in general, I have to spend more for the insurance to kick in. For example, I have a patient. We had a patient this spring who had a $2,000 out of network deductible. They came to see us. He spent $2,200 here. You would think that insurance would start to kick in and pay the $200 over the 2000 because we're out of network. He spent $2,000 here. That's not the way it works. The allowed amount for all eight of his visits was $423. So $423 is what he's, what he's, what is counted towards his out of network deductible, not the $2,000 that actually came out of his pocket. You guys understand getting that? Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's um, insurance is certainly going to pay, but even after he gets to his $2,000 allowed amount, they're only, they were only going to kick in like 60 or 70% of the bill. So we will never see, we, I mean, it's rare that I would have seen someone long enough to get to their $2,000 out of network allowed amount deductible, but every private insurance plan has different rules and they're all different. And so that's, I just want to, that's just really, that's the number one payment model here. I guess the other one would be government. We do have Medicare and Medicaid. Medicare is generally for people over 65 Um, some people on disability will have Medicare and then there's Medicaid, which is for, which is state run. So Medicare is federal, Medicaid is state run and sometimes partially federally funded. And that's run by the state. And in North Carolina, um, kids with Medicaid can get the physical therapy OT that they need, but adults with Medicaid adults over 19 only get one, one to three visits of physical therapy. And the only way they can get more than that is if they have had an amputation or cancer. And I don't even know. And that rule might even be 10 years old. So, um, and then the third funding option is to pay yourself. And most everyone has a self-pay rate. They usually don't give it, talk about it or, or sell it. Um, but that's what we do. It's, it's basically self-pay physical therapy. Um, and our patients, when they submit uh, a claim to their own insurance, they can get reimbursed depending on what their insurance company decides and what Melissa in Iowa decides that they deserve to get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, you know, we could definitely get into a whole talk about, you know, having, should all these things be covered, you know, universal healthcare versus kind of the model in the States, right? There's definitely, 
very like there's a lot of inefficiencies with universal healthcare too like here like i've sent people to the states to get an mri mm-hmm. um uh because you know it's just like a eight month wait to, to get anything here right um unless you know somebody that'll literally put you in front of the queue here um but you know it's it's really interesting because before i ask my next question i actually want to maybe because we know how much you mentioned that you charge for mm-hmm. each session can you just let our listeners know how much you charge as well and then i'll get to the question yeah well i started let me tell you where i started so when right. i was doing massage therapy i was getting 85 dollars a visit and my ci goes no one's gonna pay more than their copay for physical therapy and i'm like yeah but they're already paying 85 dollars to see me for pt so mm-hmm. I got so much negative. So when I got out of school, I was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to charge $95 because people will pay Like people are going to pay an extra $10 an hour because I'm Dr. LeBauer now. I mean, there's no reason they're not. I didn't start at the right level. Like I didn't have a coach coaching me on where to re- charge my prices. Over the years we've raised them more recently, about a year and a half ago, we raised our prices a hundred dollars all at once. Um, mm-hmm. And we're charging $250 a visit. But mm-hmm. what, I want you to understand and your listeners understand we're not charging $250 per hour of physical therapy. We're, we're finding out what our patients want, the transformation they want, and we're selling them the plan of care and our plan of cares. Um, we have like a, a five visit plan of care and an eight visit plan of care and eight visit plan of care is 1998. And that equals 249.75 per visit because that, you know, that's the math. But what we're, we're not saying, oh, it's going to be, it's going to take five to eight visits and it's going to be $250 a visit. I used to do that. And um, I did that up until we were at 147 a visit, but that wasn't enough for me to employ another physical therapist and front desk um, staff and other people and provide an amazing service for my patients. It just business wasn't profitable and our job in business is actually turn a profit. Otherwise the business isn't around to help our patients. And so I knew I had to raise my rate significantly. And we, at the same time, we changed how we sold physical therapy. So if people are going, oh my God, I could never charge 250 a visit. I'm not charging 250 a visit. What we're doing is we're selling a plan of care for $2,000 to someone who wants to, you know, be able to go back to CrossFit so they can feel strong and confident and um, feel like they can uh, do anything, run away from someone if they need to and be a great role model, model for their daughter. That's what I'm selling. That I'm selling the restoration of that feeling, not range of motion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yep. Yeah. So I think you 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 went into the answer a little bit for the question as well. But Good. I wanted to I wanted to ask. So here's what kind of we're understanding from the mm-hmm. the two different models that are existing in the states and in Canada. In the states, there's a high amounts of deductibles, high amounts of, you know, out of pocket pay. There's a lot of things you really have to be smart with your money. So this has kind of shifted um the healthcare system in the states to something where you have to make decisions like you're purchasing retail. Right? right. So it's a retail consumer type of uh, model because you have you have five different clinics and they're all going to probably char- charge five different prices. And, you know, there's a there's an example they use, for example, is for an MRI. Right. You can get an mm-hmm. MRI for like 500 bucks in the States or it could cost you six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Right. So there's a huge like difference uh, between what you could get. And so people have to 
not not necessarily this is not the best example but like people have to kind of choose where do they want to go like, as if they were kind of like buying a car right right absolutely uh, there's it's a becoming a consume like as much as people want to say healthcare is not uh consumerism people mm-hmm. are becoming better consumers of healthcare because of the prices and mm-hmm. i want to point out there's a difference between build charged and paid yeah you know, yeah like you can bill one thing you <laughs> charge something else and you get paid something completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where all the different models really kick in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so the, you're, like you said, you, you saw that transformation and that's what really gets to people and you're not selling a, a treatment session. You're selling the entire package. Right. Mm-hmm. And which is something that we all try to do. Um, like Slava and I definitely try to do here as well. Now, the, the one roadblock that I feel like we've had, you know, in Canada is that because a lot of healthcare services aren't, people aren't paying, there's no tangible exchange of money here. Um, you know, you give your card, you go ahead and you're done. It's, it seems like that's a, like there's a mental block for mm-hmm. individuals, you know, talking about how much we could charge per session. Now, you know, based on our college and everything, we have to charge, we have to have price that uh, justifies our, our pricing, right? So we, our service has to be a certain way or we have to be able to justify why we're charging like 250 a session, right? Which, you know, we're, I do, I have seen people do that actually. But how do you think we can get past that barrier in a country where there's universal healthcare, where spending money on healthcare isn't as, uh, is not predominant as it is, for example, in the States? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's two ways. Don't sell healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Don't sell healthcare. Sell what people want. And physio is how you help them get it. Number mm-hmm. two, view that card that people hand over. View that as a coupon. It's a discount coupon. It's a discount code to my services. So look, Mrs. Jones, we want to get you back to doing whatever it is so that you can be strong and confident and not worry about, you know, blowing your knees out when you get older so you can continue to dance with your husband on the weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. Our program is going to be mm-hmm. just $3,000 and lucky for you, the government's giving you a thousand dollar coupon. So what we're going to do, so you just got 33% off. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the 2000, we're going to split it up over the 10 visits you need. And it's just, you know, $200 a visit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. but it's not $200 it's $2,000 to get what you want and the government it's $3,000 to get what you want but you know lucky for you the government's giving you a coupon so I'll swipe that and then I'll take your other card for the other half and if you want to pay in full I'll give you a 10% discount so now really you only it's only $1,700 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. 10% discount off of 300 is <laughs> you know that's true. $1,000. It's a coup. You got it. Like, yes, you said it's mental. It's look at it from the other side of the, of the yeah. playing field. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing is, Aaron, you hit on the great point that we're not selling a range of motion, but we're selling the transformation. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, while Sarush and I have been practicing, we've seen certain people who come to physiotherapy and they know exactly what they want. They want to get back into a specific sport or they want to do a specific thing, like uh, make sure they can dance at the wedding. But there are also those patients who say, I just want to get it better. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just want it to be pain-free. 
And then you ask like 10 questions <laughs> to get to their functional goal. Like, do, do you want to play sports or do you want to do this or do you want to do this? They're like, no, I just want to get the pain feel better. So uh, would you talk about pre-selecting certain patients where your why of your clinic uh, coincides with their patient's why for physiotherapy? Uh, and are you able to convert those people to that transformation to make them uh, believe and pay that kind of money for that transformation. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it sounds like, like I'll talk about how we, how we pre-frame people, but it sounds like when someone comes in and we hear this a lot ourselves, like, Oh, I just want to feel better. I just want to feel less pain. Well, what's mm -hmm. your goal? Like, what do you want to do? Oh, nothing. I can do everything. I just want less pain. Well, then it's not mm -hmm. about what they are. Sometimes it's not about what they want. It's about what they don't want to have happen. Right. So mm -hmm. some of the questions we might ask is, well, Ms. Jones, if the pain doesn't go away, what are you afraid that will happen in two years if you do nothing at all? Oh, that I'm going to turn in like my mother, that the arthritis is going to get so bad and I can't walk anymore. Mm -hmm. So their why might not be something that they want to do on the upslope. It's something they want to avoid. It's like something negative. Mm -hmm. Or it's we haven't asked the right question. It's like, well, what is it about this pain that's that's bothering you or what are you worried about happening? Like, so it's, what are you worried about happening if you don't do anything? What are you worried about happening if it does get worse? You know, like mm -hmm. we got to find that. And sometimes people don't understand that they are supposed to hurt. So Mrs. Jones, like pain's normal. Like you can go get pain relief. You can get some Tylenol. You can go get an injection. You can go to REI and buy kinesio tape, you, you know, whatever. Like why are you here? Why now? Why us? And then, you know, so, there's a couple other questions to tease those things out um, from just because you said that. And I'm like, I've done training with my staff on those same, those same people. But earlier on to pre-frame people in, we have a little bit of a, um, our website. We use our unique serving proposition, our USP. It's one of the headlines on our website. So it helps identify people so they know our website is for patients. It tells them who we help and what we help them do. So then when they're reading it, they go, oh, that's me. That's, that, that's where I need to go because I'm active and I want to do it without pain meds, injections, and surgery. And mm -hmm. then we have a, um, for some of our free visits or a call, we'll have, we have a little application process. And the application process is another selector for people. Like people are only serious. If they're not going to answer 10 questions if they're not serious about PT. If they just want to find out how much we charge, they're not going to answer all the questions. Um, and mm -hmm. so that's what we do. And we start asking these questions early on through our website, uh, through the telephone interview when they call or we call them back and then through our um, initial evaluation with our PTs. Mm -hmm. So that's how you guys screen those people who are intrinsically motivated rather than the people who might just be kind of passing by. Yeah. And the questions we're using are a, you know, like a motivational interviewing style where even if they're not, they don't know their motivation, we're helping them tease it out because you know, they want to do something. They just don't know what, and they don't always know why, but if we can help them understand their why and we know their why, then that's the transformation that we're selling It's mm -hmm. why it's not just that I want to get back to CrossFit and it's not just that I want to be able to go dance at my kid's wedding. It's like, why is that important to you? And why is that next level of why is feeling strong and confident important to you? Because if I feel strong and confident that I know I'm a good role model for my daughter and I don't want, and why is that, why is being a good role model for your daughter important? Because I don't want her to grow up in the same environment that I did. Mm 
mm-hmm. feeling like she's not adequate, not strong, and you know, I have to do the same struggles. You know, I mean, I know this because I've asked these questions. You know, it's <laughs> like, okay, so that's the thing. That's the thing that the people start, you know, getting emotional about and crying about. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that they will be willing to pay anything for. And mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people aren't mm-hmm. asking about. They're afraid to ask about it. They don't know how to ask about it. And they don't think it's important because we've been all been taught that goniometry, uh, manual muscle testing, and uh, range of motion in one joint at a time is, is what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Well, while you're actually on that topic, it's, you know, just talking to your staff about that too. I think that'll be um, an interesting topic uh, for conversation right now. Now, have you, as you kind of built your practice, have you had anybody uh, resist you on the prices or have you had to, um, how have you tried to get people from your team to buy in and to actually start doing this uh, when they came from another clinic, for example, that was charging like 80 bucks a visit? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I've had, Part of it's my application process, and um, there's some great questions uh, that I ask. Uh, you know, I've had one employee who um, had left before a price raise, and then after we raised our prices, um, heard that, you know, like that made her uncomfortable. I knew she had, it was uncomfortable for her at one point, but, you know, like she wasn't a good fit long-term, and she had other goals herself um, that she needed to meet. So, which is fine, but most people um, are, are totally on board because of the way that I described to them my mission, our statement, what we're doing in their application process. One of my great questions is how much is too much to pay for physiotherapy? How much is too much to pay for physical therapy? Like, depending on that answer, I don't know, you know, someone says, oh, I think $175, $200 is definitely too much to pay. You know, versus the person I say, hey, there's really nothing that's too much if you're giving people what they what they want. You know, those are two different answers. But I explain it like, why are we people also need to know, like, why are we charging what we charge and why are they earning what they earn? Mm-hmm. You know, and because a lot of people don't understand that the clinic they're working for and in network clinic that they're billing 300 something dollars a visit for them. Or if they might be working in a hospital, I've seen hospital bills where they're billing $600 a unit, even, you know, $1,000 a unit, which is 15 minutes, you know, there's a, I've got an example on my blog is a $1,200 PT visit is it's two 15 minute units for $1,200 and change, mm-hmm. you know, and the PT is making $40 an hour and the patients, that patient paid the whole, had to pay the whole thing because they had not met their deductible because it was in January. Mm-hmm. Right, and, that, and, and, and the <laughs> patient didn't stick ridiculous. around. <laughs> it's nuts, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't get that bill when they walk out. They get that bill a few months later, mm-hmm. five, six mm-hmm. weeks later. Then like, I go, what? Like, all they did was put me on the mm-hmm. bike and put a little machine on my back. Mm-hmm. It's twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> it's highway robbery. Yeah, hundred percent. Aaron, you mentioned that you do packages of five visits and eight visits as well. Do you, are you ever met with resistance specifically when you promise the eight visit goal that you'll get to where you want to be? Uh, when that doesn't go according to plan, um, is there resistance saying that, okay, you need this many more visits to actually get to your goal because you're recovering a little bit slower than we expected? Um, the only time we've had resistance is when uh, it was someone who was being treated by one of my newer therapists and it just wasn't explained, you know? 
Like it, it wouldn't explain, you know, he was a, the, the patient was a slow responder. He was still responding and moving forward, but he, it, you know, so there, there's two pieces to it. It's one is well, what's the promise after eight visits? Is it pain-free or is it, you know, you can work out modified, you know, like, well, I'll get you back to CrossFit. I can get you back to CrossFit in two or three visits, even if you have a broken something, you know, you're just, Mm-hmm. You know, we avoid that plenty of, if it's broken and unstable, we just don't do that body part, but I can modify the workout for you so you can do it. So what's my promise? Mm-hmm. So typically if we get to visit five and we're like, this is going to take more than eight visits, Mr. Jones, like it's probably going to take it. We're probably going to need a few more. We'll let them know. And they're bought in by that point, And it's not a really a problem. Um, the other question people have is, well, what if you're done? What if, what if, what if the patient's better at visit five and you sold them uh, eight visits? Are they really done at visit five? Like, okay, maybe the pain is gone, but does that mean they move well and they're going to be uh, strong and, and resilient and even better than before? So what we do is it's typically, it's like, okay, is this gonna be, it's hard to say, Mr. Jones, this is gonna take seven visits and you're gonna be pain-free forever. Like, that's not a promise I can make, but what, I'm, what, I, what we're promising is, is that within eight visits, we will have a really big, um, we will make some big major progress towards your goals. And you might actually be better than you were before, you know, and there's still gonna be somewhere else you might need to go. But let's say someone is pain-free at visit five and they move pretty well. Well, then I might say, look, Mr. Jones, let's do, let's check back in two weeks and see if after two weeks of not coming in to see us, you're still feeling the same. And then if that's a yes, we'll treat you, we'll help you move, we'll adjust your home exercise, your corrective exercise, we'll progress it, and then let's see you in another month, okay? Now we're at visit six and then seven, okay, great. Now a month, you're good, all right, I'll see you in two months or three months. Just to make sure it sticks, so that because one of the worst things that could happen is they're pain-free at visit five, and they're like, you're done, great, go on. And then three months later, they go build a shed in their backyard and they're, their shoulder hurts like, man, that physical therapy didn't work. My shoulder still hurts again. <laughs> but they went and built a shed. Like, when's the last time they built a shed in the backyard? Never? Okay. Well, you know, Mr. Jones, you ran a marathon without training for it. Like, that's not physical therapy's fault. But because they're now out of my, um, out of, out of my, uh, my community, my territory, they're not coming back to see me, they think I didn't fix them. Does that make sense? So I want to keep tabs yeah. on them so that they can go out and do their normal life. And if it, if it flares up, if they're coming to see me three weeks later, it's like, yeah, I built a shed. And I was like, oh, well, you didn't train for it. So here, let me do these things. You see how better it is? All right, great. Let's get you, let's get you back in another two weeks. Or maybe I need to see you once a month. Maybe two months or three months is too long. Let me see you once a month for a while until like consistently this sticks. And so we have um, part of my practice philosophy is we got three phases of treatment. And I want to go over those real quick. It's, one is pain relief, but it's not really pain relief, it's pain reduction. And then once the pain's decreased, uh, I wanna find out where are you moving poorly that the pain was masking, because pain inhibits movement. So I wanna find out, so phase one is pain reduction, phase two, fix the problem, or isolate and fix the problem. It doesn't mean it has to be perfect, it just means we have to improve the problem area. So if it's a shoulder pain, like they have an impingement, but it's a thoracic rotation problem, can I make the thoracic rotation 20% better? That's going to help the shoulder significantly. In phase three is um, 
better, faster, stronger, or resiliency. It's helping the patient understand, you know, like not have this happen again. And they may still have pain during all three phases because I'm not promising pain free. I'm promising feeling strong and confident again. The reason, the reason why I'm smiling is because that's exactly the way I describe it. Maybe I should be charging 250 then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> with symptom control is the first one and mm-hmm. then regain their full function of their body and then the resilience stage is exactly yeah. the same thing they, right to build it becomes more preventative but it's not as as frequent right yeah. that's why i always tell the clients too the i see you more frequently at the beginning and if we stick to that plan i'm going to see you much much less and then to a point where I'm, i hope not to see you again in here for that same injury Mm-hmm. Right. So that's kind of the, that's the goal that I try to set from a physio perspective. Right. But obviously their own goals are the main goals here. But, um, but yeah, it's really interesting because you, you're breaking down things into those um, <clears throat> categories for these clients. And I think that's one of the things that um, is helpful to get them to justify why this, why I should be paying 250 for the session. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you know, we know that not everybody may communicate as well. Not, not everybody may do these things to make the patient understand why what's going on and how many sessions they should come, how often, how long the sessions should be and why they should see. you. Right. right. So we've already talked about kind of the categorization. But what are your other top two strategies that you teach your clinicians as well? to make sure people actually finish their plan of care on that 250 per session model, other than obviously we talked about the transformation, which is mm-hmm. the buy-in initially, plus the kind of the categorization that you mentioned, but is there anything else that you talk to these uh, clients or your clinicians to talk to the clients that you've seen work really well that you think we could implement in our practice to actually right. get them to complete that 250 session uh, plan right. of care? Oh, that's great. Yeah. So the other two pieces, um, it's part of the sales process. And it's Mrs. Mrs. Jones. Like, so once they've agreed to the plan of care and the cost, they come out and they see Amber and Amber says, well, Mrs. Jones, Dr. LeBauer recommended our total body restoration, um, which is uh, just 1998. It's going to include seven more visits after today, including today. Um, how would you like to save, you know, a hundred dollars? And she goes, Ooh, I'd love to save a hundred dollars. Great. Well, if you want to go ahead and pay for your whole plan of care today, um, we can help you save a hundred dollars. I mean, last month we had like 60% of our patients paid in full for their full plan of care. And um, so that's strategy one. So now they've paid in full, they've committed. So I'm only giving a, I want you guys to know, it's like, I'm not discounting physical therapy and I'm mm-hmm. not discounting to get people in. We're giving people a discount for committing to their plan of care. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other way we, we um, encourage people to complete their plan of care is, when we're at this um, like checkout process, it's let's get you scheduled for all eight visits or all seven visits. So now they're committing to a calendar date to come in and see us. And that's another one. It's like, there's a commitment. It's not a strong commitment, even if they've only doing pay as you go, but they're on the calendar. Now we've got a time commitment from them. And so there's a commitment to coming in for X amount of visits. So those are two of the um, most powerful and easiest ways to do that besides the, you know, personal motivation and interviewing and finding out like their why, like mm-hmm. scheduling them out for their full plan of care, which in the summer is a little hard because we have parents who come to see us and their kids are doing all kinds of different stuff. Um, but, uh, and, and getting them to pay ahead. 
Mm-hmm. And do you guys do anything after the assessment? Because one of the things that we, uh, you know, put in a Daryl Yardley plug here with Mentorship Bootcamp and one of our uh, coaching calls we talk about is what happens after the assessment between the assessment and the first treatment? Is mm-hmm. there anything that happens? You make a call, do you send out a letter, do you kind of make any kind of communication with that client to make sure, again, they're coming back for that? Because uh, some people, again, might be shell-shocked at like the mm-hmm. price, but some people will be like, it's fine and they'll still come back. So how do you manage that possible risk of client like not coming back or you know let's say everything went well but then suddenly they changed mm-hmm. their mind how do you manage that risk well that's a great great question so when people schedule a call with us or they schedule a free one of our free visits they get a, about two or three emails depending on how far ahead of time so they get an automated emails that are indoctrinating them into our clinic and what it looks like and what my mission is and what we're all about they come in for their free total body diagnostic. And if they turn it into, whether they just do that or they turn it into an eval, typically we'll do the eval and treatment on the first day. And then there's a second treatment. Um, and as soon as they become a patient, they get it started on a series of emails, welcoming them to the clinic. It says, thank you for you know doing X, Y, coming and trusting us. Um, you told us, you told us X, Y, and Z. So we auto fill that in based on what the questions we ask. And you're in our blank program, our physical therapy complete program, our back to the box program, our back return to running program. And so we use automated emails and, and as a, the physio physical therapist, when they do the eval, we'll fill out a little form, person's name, email, and the program that we put them in. And that will auto fill. So it's, we've got a series of personalized emails that follow up with them. Using the same system, which is called Active Campaign, we also I also have a little notification that goes to front desk staff and says, "Hey, please call so and so, follow up with them, and ask them these three questions." So they get these follow-up emails and follow-up phone calls. We write them when they become a patient. They get a handwritten thank you note. You know, so they're you know so, so they're being welcomed to our clinic. We're not just like eval. Hey, that's two thousand dollars. I'll see you in seven days. <laughs> you know, no communication and like, hope you come back. (laughs) So they're getting a lot of that. And and that's stuff that we've built out over the years. And by no means does that have to be in place before you raise your prices or charge cash. But that's one of those things that, that really helps. And yes, there's still some people that go, that was a lot. But remember, they're also people, they're they're also paying $175 for x-rays at the dentist and $125 to get their teeth cleaned. And I don't know, $500 to get a cavity filled. Mm-hmm. so you know yeah. they're just not used to paying physical therapy everyone's used to in the united states paying the dentist money because very few people have dental insurance mm-hmm. yeah and uh, that's the trend that we see in canada as well that uh, people are just not used to understanding exactly what physiotherapy is and they come in kind of like oh my doctor told me to come in so that's why i'm here so now what can you do for me right so uh at that point it has to be a thorough explanation with a lot of factors taken into account right so this is what happens if we're here this is what happens if we're here and you literally have to like teach them physiotherapy in that first session in order for them to commit 100 percent, right but a lot of clinics in canada do that as well they try to commit uh, people to let's say an eight visit package right and then provide a little bit of that discount for the commitment which they kind of still view it as discounting physiotherapy, whereas you explained it perfectly that you're discounting for commitment and you reward mm-hmm. the patient for the commitment. Um, I just wanted to ask 
uh, what happened when uh, you raised your prices by $100? Because we've never seen that uh, drastic uh, rise before. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in the book that we've read, Solution Myself, The $100 Start, the author teaches micro business owners to uh, raise their prices. Because if you raise your prices, you'll have less customers, but overall you'll make a great profit, right? right. So I was wondering what happened in your case with that $100 raise. We started generating a profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, prior to that, I had two employees, and you know, I was you know paying myself, making money, but the business was, you know, is it profitable? I mean, look, we're seeing eighteen to twenty to twenty-five patients a week per therapist. Um, and prior to that, like when I got the, I've got the financial reports, and I, I separate. I had to separate. There are two things I had to do before I raised my rates. Is one, I had to separate my coaching and consulting business from my clinic. In working with mm-hmm. a new bookkeeper and accountant, and then I started getting six months of reports from both of them, and going, "Huh, clinic, you know, clinic's good. Like it's paying my health care, it's putting money in my retirement account, and I'm getting a little check every month. But it's not. But but mm-hmm. I also I had a cash PT resident who was paying a sixty percent salary, not a hundred percent salary. And I was like, "Huh, it's 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 kind of like not super profitable. Maybe like five percent profit, like." Uh, my profit profit margin for a business should be 20, 30%. Right. So I'm like, and okay, how am I going to afford to pay someone another 40% salary and charge the same prices? Well, they're going to either, I'm even going to have to double the amount of patients they're seeing or I can raise my rates. So we raised our rates, mm-hmm. but nothing happened. People didn't notice mm-hmm. because we didn't take our existing patients at visit six and say, Mrs. Jones, now next week you're going to, you owe us an extra hundred dollars. We didn't do that. Most people think, Oh, my patients are going to hate me. <laughs> we just started, we started our new rate on all new people and all new patients coming to the clinic and they didn't notice. We changed the way we sold physical therapy. We changed the way we had the conversation. We've, we added a membership program. We added a program for our existing patients who were paying 150 we said, all right, well, we've created a new program for you and it's a wellness warrior program. You come in on a regular basis anyways, let's go ahead and get you in this program. It's going to be just a little bit more, but we're going to deliver you so much more value in return that it's going to be worth it for you. And we had a good uh, eight to 10 people out of probably 12 who were coming to see us on a regular basis, join that program. The people that didn't join were people that were kind of on and off anyways and you know they'll either they weren't really coming to see us they didn't stop coming to see us because of this um and now uh 95 percent of our patients are on the new rate we got one or two people who are still on the old rate because of you know a, a long-standing chronic problem and basically due to like a motor vehicle accident and we were like okay we don't want to change the rates halfway through some like you know case that's going to get taken to court and like so we just kind of left a couple of people at the, the old rate, which is fine. But yeah, nothing happened yeah. except we started generating more profit and helping more people. We have less no-shows. We have less complaints about our price. We have less objections. We have, um, yeah, less problems mm-hmm. and, just as, and more patients, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting. And, you know, while we're on the topic of the profit, so, you know, as you 
generated uh, this uh, session with uh, people who pay a little bit more for. Um, now, do you pay your staff uh, uh, commission, a fee for service, or do you pay them hourly? I pay, um, pay them on salary and, uh, and some people on hourly. So my uh, physios are on uh, salary. And okay. the patient care specialist was on um, hourly and recently moved her to uh, a salary position just based on performance and time being here and, and the needs of the clinic. Mm -hmm. So then with these rates, are you able to be more competitive with how much you are paying your staff to actually get new, new staff and recruit more people to uh, your practice compared to other practices? Oh, absolutely. Because my um, staff's uh, compensation is not limited by the amount that I can get reimbursed per service. Mm -hmm. So then where I'm, where I'm getting at with this is that, um, you know, there's definitely a huge recruitment problem and we definitely talked about it at Accelerate and uh, Sanjeev, mm -hmm. uh, Atia, definitely somebody who also talks about this consistently. Is, do you feel that raising your prices would actually target part of this recruitment problem because you can pay the staff a little bit more taking out that the finance component of somebody wanting to join a clinic because you know, everybody who joined the clinic, there's a lot of factors they consider, right? Like well, whether it's culture, mentorship, uh, pay, time mm -hmm. off, vacation, whatever it is, um, that does kind of target one of those factors, right? Um, so do you feel like that has helped with your recruitment overall? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm still, I don't know if I can pay one PT $300,000, but you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. but here's the other thing that I can do is not only give you, mentorship and higher pay, like I can give you, um, Friday afternoons off, nice. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I can, you can go home early on, on Mondays. You can still work out five days a week working for me. You don't have to go home at the end of the day having seen 14 to 20 something people and feel like I'm wasted. I don't even have the energy to work out and I still have documentation to do. So <laughs> not only can I pay you more, or, you know, potentially pay you more based on, you know, the numbers of patients you're seeing and your effort you put in. That's not my, you know, I'm not hiring people saying, hey, come in, do the marketing, you know, and then I'm going to pay you more based on how many people you see. Um, I'm hiring based on personality, um, drive, um, not treatment skill. I'm, I'm hiring on people who believe in my mission and, and want to be on board with it. And then when they're on board with it, all I have to do is pay you a fair, I have to pay a fair amount because not only am I going to compensate you with, with money, I'm going to compensate you with time and with an enjoyable job with a career that allows you to feel um, like happy and awesome and uh, an opportunity, you know, my staff and people who work for me have an opportunity to create something, you know, like a little side hustle or a business within the business based on their interests and, you know, the infrastructure that I have already set up through the clinic and the coaching, like we can, we can do a whole lot of stuff. There's a lot of possibility. And if people want it, they're going to go after it. And if they, if they're happy doing what they're doing and they, they love what they're doing and they're happy, then they're just going to be like, yeah, let's do this. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like happiness. Satisfaction is just as important as salary. But if we're just trying to compete on salary or price, all, we're, all people are going to do is price shop us and they're not going to actually see what they're going to get out of it in other ways because they're, that's what they're used to. Mm -hmm. especially new grads with big debt. How can I get the most for my time? And that's a time mm -hmm. for money trap that people get into. Mm -hmm.
Exactly. And that seems to be the emerging trend across yeah. the new grads as well. It's not so much that the money that they're looking for, because comparably, more or less, it's going to be uh, fairly similar across most clinics. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that fit, right? The why. And that's something uh, we talked about at Accelerator as well, just uh, relying on that specific fit. And is the clinic able to achieve, uh, to give what we're looking for? And are we able to provide the services that the clinic is looking for in order to have that amazing relationship, right? So that's success, uh, key to success in the long term. Mm -hmm. But speaking of uh, trends, we've been talking a lot about uh, your specific clinic and how you've done things in your clinic, but we're wondering across US in general and with some of the trends in physiotherapy, what do you see happening in the next uh, five years or so? with physiotherapy in the US? Yeah, I, a lot of it, I think, depends on what happens with, um, in, in Washington, D.C., with politics. Like, does anything happen with the Affordable Care Act? And some people are, you know, doing the Medicare for all, you know, like, um, you know, and uh, like, what's it, uh, the universal health care. So it just depends. Like, there are some limitations with Medicare. So Medicare patients and cash-based physical therapy and that, if you're not a Medicare provider, you can't provide a Medicare covered service or there's just limitations. And if that limitation gets spread across the board to everyone, that's just going to be just another hurdle we'll figure out. Um, but outside of politics, what do I think is happening is I think more patients, insurance premiums, premiums, which is what you pay every month and deductibles, which is the limit which you have to pay before you get reimbursed. They're just getting higher and higher. And reimbursement to physio clinics is getting lower and lower. So we're, we're getting to this breaking point where physical therapists are starting to say, I can't get a job to pay down my loans, you know, and also afford to live and eat and have the life that I was promised. So now let me look at what it would be like to own my own business. And in the last few years, there's I don't know, five, 10 times as many cash-based physical therapists um, and physical therapists doing out-of-network clinics only. And I believe that that's just going to continue to grow until we get to a point where there's, you know, hospital-based, there's big corporation-based clinics, and then there's smaller, and, and not just one PT, but, you know, one location, five therapists, maybe, maybe two, three location clinics again, but they're not all in-network clinics because in order to be in-network, you have to have all these efficiencies, but part of efficiency means multiple people an hour. And I don't think that people are getting into physical therapy to be a manager of other people's time. They want to actually do some healing. And um, I think that's, I, that's, my, that's my perception of where this trend is going. More people are going to get out of small one to two PT in-network clinics and start doing more out-of-network or whatever. Yeah, I mean... And if it, does, if it goes another way, like we'll just adapt, but um, patients are becoming better consumers and they are choosing based on quality, not just on price or in location. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. And that's definitely something that we see here as well. Um, in terms of at least the consolidation, I think we talked about this as well. The healthcare consolidation is happening very quickly. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it is becoming something where you know, people have to pay a little bit more out of pocket. And like we talked about before, it's becoming retail-esque where they have mm -hmm. to 
choose, they have to be smart with where they go, right? Because people want the most bang for their buck and they're not going to just go to any, um, any place nowadays. I think they're being a little bit uh, smarter where now they're looking at the online reviews. They're looking at all these different um, streams where they can vet whether or not this clinic is the right for you. So my question, you know, hopefully to wrap up the podcast as well is about this online sphere that you're trying to target right now we're getting towards these uh the new generation of millennial generation y or x um or z <laughs> one of the I'm three x. letters I'm x. I'm like y or z very <laughs> the y or z yeah <laughs> whatever's after millennials um how do you start to shift uh your messaging to try to target them as well because you know, there we're we're coming up on this um, idea of okay, like there's so many options, but we will have to kind of do our analyses. And we do look at a lot of the online things, like for example, on Amazon, you feel better buying the product that has like seven thousand like little stars, mm-hmm. you know, and has, even if it's four star versus the one that has six. And it's like four and a half, right? So, you know, 7,000 people have kind of bought this thing. So how do you target that part for your practice specifically? Well, we're doing, um, we've got over 50 five-star Google reviews. Um, and, and I know some people have more, but we've got a low volume clinic. And the next uh, most is probably one person with 30. And then beyond that, it's like maybe in the teens. And then most, and, and most of those are like all negative reviews. So. Um, we get Google reviews, which is great. But the other part of your question is I'm not targeting this younger generation. My target market are um, probably 35, late thirties to early sixties, you know? And so that's my target. My target are other people that are, um, you know, younger baby boomers, Gen Xers, and uh, a little bit, uh, a few millennials here and there, but millennials are coming in because they believe in what we're, doing, but not because I'm targeting them. Because when you're in your early 20s, you, um, most people here don't ha- understand uh, the system. They don't understand you know, buying, spending. They don't understand making decisions. You know, they'll come in and be like, well, I didn't think I had to pay. And like, you know, like they're two years off of you know, being supported by their parents and they just don't understand and they're not great consumers and they're, you know, they, they don't, they're not good decision makers. And you know, like that's not who I want to target. I want to I target basically parents who want to get back to um, doing what they what, what's most important to them without uh, getting having unnecessary surgery or wasting time in you know orthopedic surgeon's office getting an MRI that's just going to scare them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, you want to target the consumers who are going to resonate with your why as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, with what you're trying to serve up, which uh, is where the greatest bang for your buck comes from, right? Right. Yeah. So that's absolutely. what you're targeting yeah. there. Um, so, Aaron, it's been an awesome podcast. Uh, unfortunately, we are uh, getting close to the hour mark, right, to fit it into that <laughs> lunch hour. Mm-hmm. Um, we were wondering um, what book uh, made a big difference for you in this whole journey uh, of business development and how you got to this point. Um, the first book, the one that was the big pivotal book for me was called Guerrilla Marketing by J. Conrad Levinson. I picked out that book about 20 years ago. I was trying to figure out how do I market my, my massage therapy practice in San Francisco when everyone else and their mother was a massage therapist and a yoga teacher. 
And um, Jay Conrad Levinson's book was great because it wasn't traditional marketing. And I was like, oh, because I can't afford traditional marketing. Even right now, like I would never pay for traditional like billboard advertisements, magazines, newspapers, etc. So that's one of the great bo great books, and it's yeah, you could easily find it on Amazon. I know it's been updated uh, in the last few years for the whole internet um, revolution because I got it before everyone was online. And even in San Francisco at that time, if you had a website, it was just an online business card. So yeah, that's the book. Mm -hmm. Nice. Awesome. We'll definitely be looking into that. I don't think I haven't personally read that. I don't know if, if Slava has either, but, um, no. but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you so much. Aaron. We'll, we'll definitely have that synopsis for, for our listeners uh, once the podcast gets aired. Um, now we're getting into this, the part where we want to ask uh, to see where our listeners can get in touch with you. Now we know you have a successful consulting business as well. So whether they have questions for you regarding the consulting services mm -hmm. or just questions for you in general, where is the best place that they can get in touch with you and where should they be following you on social media? Um, my website is AaronLebauer.com and that's A-A-R-O-N-L-E-B as in boy, A-U-E-R.com. And you can follow me at, at Aaron LeBauer on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> so if Instagram, <laughs> and Facebook, right? I have an account. I've had one for a long time, and Twitter, Twitter kind of petered out, and I went over to Instagram. And so Instagram is where I'm at most of the time. I've also got a private Facebook group on uh, the Cash Base, uh, the Cash PT Nation. It's the largest uh, Facebook group for physical therapists interested in cash based physical therapy. And then um, I've got a new book that just came out, um, cashptblueprintbook.com. So um, that just released about uh, five days ago. Nice. We'll definitely, we'll definitely nice. link that to the, to, the uh, to the podcast as well. Where, where could they find that book? Um, it's www.cashptblueprintbook.com. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. And it and, and everything should be linked. Uh, there's one thing you remember, just go to AaronLebauer.com and it's all there on the website. It's the landing page for all. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Aaron. It's definitely been a pleasure. And uh, we were uh, curious ever since the conference about how you've been running your business and you've shed some uh, light on that and everything that you do definitely makes sense. So we'll try to uh, get things going here. Thanks awesome. so much for the podcast and have a great day. You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me. It's an honor to be here. And uh, let me know anytime you guys got questions. I'm happy to help you out. All right. Thank you so much, Aaron. Appreciate it. Right. Thank you. Speak with you soon. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.